0: Welcome to the weekend Booktopian, a podcast where a few Booktopians get together to chat book news and the books that we are reading and enjoying. I'm Nick Wasiliev, Booktopia's social media specialist, and I am joined firstly over the airwaves by our head of trade marketing, Thomas Ott. Hello, Tom.
1: Funny you are.
0: I love that you're getting into the theme of the of the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> um, our head of brand of our head of brand and communication, Mark Harding. Hello, Mark. Hey, Nick. And lastly, back once again, all the way from London, a very good morning to the publisher relations and content lead for UK, Australia and New Zealand at Ruckerton Kobo, Nick Coveney. Hi, Nick. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So as with all episodes, we'll dive off by diving into the world of book news and then examining the books that we have been reading and enjoying and then be sure to stick around to the very end when my guests will go head-to-head in a battle for book supremacy that we like to call a book fight. So the big news that is taking the world, the book world by storm this week, is the announcement of the 2021 uh, Booker Prize longlist. And so the books that have been, uh, that have made the longlist are A Passage North by Anouk Oud Prasam, Second Place by Rachel Cusk, The Promise by Damon Galgut, the Sweetness of Water by Nathan Harris, Clara and the Sun by kazuro Ishiguro, An Island by Karen Jennings, A Town Called Solace by Mary Lawson, No One is Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood, The, fio- the Fortune Men by Nadifa Muhammad, Bewilderment by Richard Powers, China Room by Sanjeev Sahota, Go- uh, Great Circle by Maggie Shipstead, and Light Perpetual by Francis Spufford established talent um but also a lot of authors that have achieved that have achieved recent book recognition mark um what can you tell us um about this list
2: um yeah thanks nick so it's a it's a really interesting list the one that i think kind of stands out the most probably the one that's had the most hype around it this year uh is probably clara and the sun by Kazuo ishiguro um he won previously the Booker, uh, I think for Remains of the Day, and I believe he's been shortlisted a number of times before as well. So this is uh, continued recognition um, for him. Uh, And then Rachel Cusk has been kicking a lot of goals lately as well. Um, I've seen her books everywhere. A lot of people are talking about them, um, so this is um, a nice bit of recognition for her. And I've also heard quite a quite a few people talk about Patricia Lockwood's book. No one is talking about this. Um, and uh, obviously, Richard Powers uh, won the Pulitzer a few years ago for *The Overstory*. Um, I haven't uh, heard much about *Bewilderment* yet, so I'm not sure um, how that how that stacks up. But it's an interesting list. And you know, if I was if I was to pick a front runner this early on, I would probably say it's *Clara and the
0: Sun*. Yeah, we've we've heard a lot of stuff about about uh, Clara and the Sun. I know Ben was uh, incredibly, uh, he, uh, he was very, he praised that book quite a lot um, when it was announced um, earlier this year, but also since uh, since it has been short, um, made the long list. Um,
2: oh, I was just going to echo your sentiment that you made, um, uh, that, you know, uh, the significance of the booker isn't just um, the prize money, uh, which is £50,000, which is nothing to sneeze at, but it is that uh, sustain of sales that the that, um, shortlisted books and the winner obviously gets for years.
3: Booker Prize winner is, is quite the, the shout line. So any author who bags that, that will be on their book covers forevermore. And, uh, you know, quite rightly so.
0: Yeah. So for all of our listeners, the Booker Prize shortlist um, from, uh, will be unveiled on September 14th um, with the winner, being announced on the 3rd of November this year. So keep an eye out for those dates. And as Mark mentioned, the winner, the winning author will be receiving £50,000 in prize money, so over £94,000. So a very, very, very big prize up for grabs. Um, So please keep an eye out for that one. So now we're going to move on to the books that we have been reading and enjoying over the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to throw to our guest first, Nick, because I know that you have been... uh, I love every single one of your recommendations that you always throw whenever you uh, jump on the podcast. What have you been enjoying lately over in the UK? Uh,
3: Well, thankfully, I've just come back from holiday, so I've had lots of time for reading, um, which is brilliant. And I've read a couple of books recently and just started a new one. Um, So in order of uh, completion, Uh, first. Um, I finally got round to reading They Both Die at the End by Adam Silvera, which is very much in the the vein that uh, any listeners who've had the misfortune of hearing me talk on the podcast will recognise as, uh, you know, a a queer inclusive uh, YA story. It's fantastic. It's got a very interesting kind of dystopian hook. Um, It isn't a spoiler to say they both die at the end, as it is in the title, Um, but the the two lead characters uh, have the the most remarkable journey uh, over the course of 24 hours in a future where you get informed by a company that you will be dying today. So you're not told when, you're not told how, uh, you're not told why, but you are told that, you know, the next time with your loved ones or do something meaningful uh, and that the world will miss you um so you know it's a really interesting premise um and i'm glad that i uh, finally got around to, to reading it because i very much enjoyed it uh the next book i would love to recommend to everyone is called the glamour boys uh the secret story of rebels who fought for britain to defeat hitler by chris bryant um who's also a member of parliament here um and it's a, a really fantastic book about uh, a very sort of um, hidden history of um, not necessarily queer, as they wouldn't have potentially labeled themselves as such, nor as as gay, but um, kind of deviant MPs uh, who didn't fit the the norms of 1920s, 1930s, 1940s Britain. Um, And some of them definitely uh, enjoyed the company of other gentlemen, Um, but all of them kind of united to form this um, hardcore sort of clique um, that was pushing for uh, Britain to be monitoring very closely the situation in Germany in the 1930s and was very concerned about the uh, sort of creeping far right. And, you know, often at huge personal risk because, um, you know, at that time, homosexuality was still illegal people were very sort of cognizant of the vilification of oscar wilde and all of the, the the big fallouts um that happened following his conviction so even though these were sort of members of the establishment in high society they all put themselves through enormous risk um going to berlin coming back trying to raise awareness of what hitler was beginning to do and and why this really mattered and you know often risking their place in the establishment by pushing so hard um to try and protect the people who are being affected so that was very very moving and would highly recommend it 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 is quite um fact heavy It, it is definitely you know non-fiction not fiction but it's a really compelling um story that's very well told and it's very thoroughly researched. There's a ton of footnotes. So uh, I learned a lot in a very short space of time.
2: Can I ask a question, Nick? Um, uh, yeah. were, were they were they kind of open, open about their quote unquote, deviancy at the time?
3: Um, so it, it's a, a really broad spectrum of that. Um, some of them kind of played around by being an asset or being associated with uh, more openly um deviant for want of a better word, uh, artists and writers, but most of them still uh married. There were a few perpetual bachelors, uh, to use the euphemism. <laughs> so there are a few constant bachelors, um, but uh, many of them were married. Um, some of them in you know what were known as high society open weddings, and that you know that their wives were completely aware of the scenario and there's there's actual you know letters documenting um that it was an open marriage on both sides which is nice and even um but there's also other figures where it was clearly a huge point of personal anxiety or where some of them practiced celibacy or were were perhaps uh less keen to to label anything publicly because they were terrified of what would happen to them and those around them um so yeah Definitely worth a read. Awesome. And finally, if I may, um, I've just started The Secret Life of Albert Entwistle, which I'm really enjoying, uh, published in May this year by Headline. Um, and it's by Matt Cain, who is um, a very sort of well known um, author, radio presenter, and used to be chief editor and columnist, at Belief for Attitude Magazine. And um, it's really, really fascinating. So it's a love story. Um, but about a man who's facing sort of enforced retirement, being forced to retire at 65 and is finally at that stage going to come out of the closet and, uh, try and find his love today, really enjoying it.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. I love the sound of that. What's, uh, what, what makes it, uh, what makes it stand out in comparison to say, uh, other, queer related stories about finding, uh, your finding love that are out there. Is it the fact that it, it examines the perspective from someone who, like you say, is kind of at that older age and is, has struggled to accept that idea of, of homosexuality, uh, so late in the, uh, for, until this point in their life?
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there are a couple of things for it. So, um, for a start, the sort of the age gap, but also the gulf, because, um, you know, Albert Emerson, the titular, uh, Protagonist, they've lived their life in a way which is completely at odds um, with both um, my life lived experience, but also um, with many of their contemporaries in the book. So there's there's a lot of tension between the fact that you know they hadn't felt able to embrace um, their true self and um, their sexuality until this point, and that creates barriers and hurdles for them. Um, but it's very moving and. Um, it's a, you know, enjoyable, easy read, like many good rom-coms are.
0: Amazing. I love the sound of all of those books. And I'm so glad that you finally also got around to reading uh, They Both Die at the End, because we've been hearing so much positive stuff about that book. And it's, um, and yet another one to be added to the to-be-read list. Oh, it, it never ends. Thank you so much, Nick. Amazing, amazing books. I'm going to pivot straight over from one to thomas over here our our usual business and self-help and book guru um what have you been enjoying uh, over the last couple of weeks
1: thanks a lot nick and i suppose with sydney being in lockdown what is it now for the fourth or fifth time i can't even keep
0: i think track. we've lost count yeah the yeah. weeks are, the weeks are blending into one <laughs> exactly exactly i've actually had enough
1: time to reread the seven habits of highly effective people. Now I originally read this must've been about two years ago now and the book actually changed a lot for me. You know, I am still not at the level that I'd like to be, but since reading this book, I've definitely become a much more balanced person. Um, I don't know, Tom, I've
2: always thought of you as a highly effective person. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm trying to gauge whether you are being sarcastic or not. uh, (laughs) Thank you very much for that, Mark.
2: Yeah, I'll leave that up to to mystery. You can can interpret it your own way. (laughs) Sorry, Tom, I promise I won't make any more fun of you. Go.
1: Well, so as many people would already know, you know this is one of the self-help and and business classics. Probably one of the most influential business books of all time. So, so the the basic takeaway from this is there are basically four quadrants in everything that we do, Um, and they include one block which is highly urgent, highly important. Then another block which is highly urgent, not important then you've got not urgent important and then not urgent not important so this is something that I've also tried to improve since reading this book a couple of years ago and something that I think many people struggle with and and, and that's okay right it's just that con- that continuous strive for for self improvement and this this is part of that and then the final core takeaway from this particular book was you know starting with the end in mind, right? So before we get distracted by obstacles that come our way, it's really important for us to understand the objective of what we're trying to achieve before setting out to achieve it. So the first question should always be, what does success look like? And once we've established that, then we spend our energy paving the way to get there. So this prevents us wasting a lot of energy on just getting things done for the sake of it without actually focusing on why we're actually doing it or understanding what the bigger purpose is. So I I did take quite a lot away from this book. In, in In terms of who would enjoy this, anyone really who was interested in being the most efficient and effective version of themselves, particularly those that can sometimes feel overwhelmed, including myself, with all the responsibilities and tasks that we need to juggle, both at a personal and professional level. So it's definitely something that I try and implement a few of these principles on a daily basis, so so it does help me.
2: What if I don't want to be a perfectly efficient version of myself?
1: (laughs) If I'm happy the way that I am, Tom. (laughs) Then we just throw the book in the fire, Mark.
3: (laughs) I was going to say something shady about you rereading it, because surely that's not very efficient uh, if you have had to reread the book.
1: That's such a good point, Nick, but my memory is horrific. Maybe I'm part of the problem. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's good at least that you're, you're taking a decent amount out of it, um, doing, getting the chance to sit down and reread it again, which is good.
1: Mm. Exactly.
0: What, what were the other books you were... Did you have another book you were reading?
1: Yeah, another one was... Actually, I actually um, finished this maybe about a month ago or something. I will reread this one as well in in one year's time, Nick. Um, But this one was uh, a a random walk down Wall Street. So this was a finance book that that was originally published in the early 70s, I think. So it's essentially a guide for, for successful investing within a world where the stock market is so difficult to predict. Hence the use of the word random you know, I also shouldn't openly admit the fun name of this title pulled me and I was thinking to myself, I was like, why random um, but, but joking apart, uh, this book was actually recommended to me by a friend uh, who I consider to be a very wise man. It was a uh, It was particularly attractive to me because my goal is to get to the stage, hopefully in, in a few years time where I'll be able to rely at least partially on a passive inked through having a diversified share portfolio. So in terms of core learnings and core takeaways here, they speak a lot about the effect of compounding returns. So let's assume you have 50K in savings, right? And you invest that with an assumed return of 10%. This will grow to 100 K within a seven year period. So because the benefits of compounding are exponential, it places a lot of emphasis upon the importance of saving from a very young, young age, right? Whether that's 25, 30, 35, 40. The benefits are exponential, just so the sooner the better. And then it touches into a more broader, broad principle where, where it talks about the importance of waking up each morning and actually just asking yourself the question well how can i create value because the value will always come back to you in the long run right so phil knight is one example of that so the founder of nike you know he's created value by fulfilling a need for affordable high quality running shoes but he's also created value through creating employment for people both Domestically and inter- internationally. So in turn, that's come back to him. He's a wealthy man. It comes back to him, but that all comes down to the fact that he has created value for everyone around him. Uh, so, 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 so the law is that this will always come back. Uh, so this was actually fascinating for me. So anyone that is particularly interested in, in achieving financial freedom through, through getting their money to, to work for them, um, is definitely helpful. And I think, Sometimes sometimes we we avoid financial learnings because it's not always a fun topic. But I think it's sometimes necessary and something that we can always strive to be better at understanding. So yeah, is this might help me that, a lot. More.
2: Is there anything in the book, Tom, about um uh financial independence via like winning the lottery? Because that's my plan.
1: <laughs> well, look, exactly right. If I'm if I'm working until eighty years old it means i'm a very slow learner and i didn't get any key takeaways from the book
0: <laughs> <laughs> sounds amazing it's it, it's so fascinating the the mindset that you're finding yourself in with these books um particularly right now i love that so, the majority of us would go oh we're gonna dive straight so, find solace in fantasy worlds and i love that you're just in the place of i'm just gonna try and better myself as a human being <laughs> Um, no, but um, you know what?
1: If lockdown lasts another month, I might as well now start diving into fiction and diversify a little <laughs> bit better.
2: Yes, yeah, diversify the portfolio of your mind, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Amazing. Lord of, the, Lord of the Rings is next, Mark, I promised. In a month's <laughs> time, oh, awesome. I'll come back and I'll speak about this
3: one. That's highly efficient, and it will take you a long time to get through. So... <laughs> <laughs>
0: amazing i love it it i can put on audiobook and double the speed (laughs) (laughs) especially if you have like a high profile eloquent reader speaking it to you You'll, you'll you'll get through it in no time um thanks so much tom i love those book recommendations and just love where you are in terms of of the stuff that you're gravitating towards at the moment great books um and now i will finally pass over to mark our resident crime and horror lover of books. Mark, what have you been enjoying over the last couple of weeks?
2: Uh, uh, no horror this this month, I'm, I'm afraid, Nick. No! Uh, actually, the, the first book that, that I'm going to speak about briefly, because it has been spoken about on this podcast before, was um, uh, Nick, the last time you and I were on the podcast together, you mentioned Swimming in the Dark by Thomas jadrowski And I was really, really taken by your description of it. Um, And so I went out and I got myself a copy and I read it. Um, And I loved that book. It's a a novel set in 1980 in Poland. And it's about a romance, um, a relationship between two young men and the way that they have to negotiate that uh, in a culturally conservative country um, so yeah, uh, that's Swimming in the Dark by, by Thomas Tudrowski, uh, which was recommended to me by Nick on a previous episode. Um, then, a bit of a departure. I went looking through some like, classic sci-fi books that, that I have in my collection, and one that I revisited recently uh, was Doomsday Book by Connie Willis. Uh, so Doomsday Book won the Hugo and Nebula awards, uh, and you know, probably not a great idea. I realized halfway through the book to be reading about plagues. And, you know, um, people around the world are dealing with, with COVID and just a really cracking rate. Um, so that's Doomsday Book by Connie Willis. Um, and the last one that I'm going to mention uh, is another kind of spacey one. Well that, well, that one wasn't a spacey one, but this is another science fiction epic. Uh, it's called Seven Eves by Neil Stevenson, uh, who is the author of such books as Rimby and Snow Crash. Uh, this is a book of his from about 2014 and it's such a great book. It's about an ambitious project that is begun to get people up into up into space, so that people can start living in space while the Earth gets gets annihilated. So the book's broken up into three sections. The first part is about kind of the coming apocalypse, and then at the end of that first section, it's not a spoiler to say the Earth gets basically wiped out. And then the second part of the book is about the survivors who made it into space and how they try and survive and it's not kind of set in the far future. Uh, So it's kind of a relatively contemporary look at like with the technology available to us now, maybe a little bit into the future, how could we actually in in outer space? Uh, And then the third section is a bit spoilerific but the i'm not going to mention what happens in it but just that there is a huge time jump between the second section and the third section in places which is what all good science fiction does um so i absolutely love that book um
0: very wibbly wobbly tiny whiny stuff that you're into at the moment yes
2: (laughs) and then the last (laughs) thing that i was just going to mention is the book that i have just started reading um i've uh, got my hands on a copy of books so um yeah that's what i've been reading
0: amazing i love them such great like very sci-fi lots lots of delving into books of different times and different ja- time jumps it's great fantastic thank you mark and also thank you everyone else as well to all of your book recommendations too so we're at that stage of the podcast where we shake off the shackles and we dive into the world of book fight so now i'm going to get a buzzer uh, from every single one of you and i'll go to you first tom what shall your buzzer be
1: uh cactus
0: (laughs) beautiful love it um nick what should yours be glamour sorry glamour glamour beautiful and lastly mark
2: uh doomsday
0: (laughs) feels very uh very appropriate right now (laughs) all right fantastic guys let's dive in and play book fight Nick,
1: I'm scared of the book fights. Last time, I got last position.
0: <laughs> it's it's. If it makes you feel any better, I've done. We've done over fifty something episodes of this, and I've only won. Have I even won? I don't even know. It's either way. It's it's. One day, you may surprise yourself. You, we don't know.
1: Okay. okay, let's do it. then. That's Question,
0: Question one:
2: me. Name the seven habits of highly effective people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, I should have thought of that. Damn it. Um, question one, which Jane Austen novel does Bridget Jones's diary use for inspiration? Uh, Doomsday. Oh, I heard glamour first. I heard glamour first,
3: Nick. Pride and prejudice.
0: That is absolutely correct. It is pride and prejudice. Question two for one point each, what are the names of the three musketeers in the book written by Alexandre Dumas?
3: Glamour? Yeah. Uh, D'Artagnan?
0: No, we do not have a, I I no. haven't got D'Artagnan here. <laughs> you're, going, you're going on the man from The Iron Mask.
3: <laughs> I think I am thinking of D'Artagnan, the, the famous fourth. Animated musket. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, do you want to have a crack?
0: I was going to say D'Artagnan as well. <laughs> mm. Wow! Oh, wow! Okay, no, no guess at all. Tom, do you, do you have any idea at all? No, no idea, Nick. All right. So the answers I was looking for was Athos. Forthos and Aramis was the correct answers. Question four. Who was the winner of the Miles Franklin Literary Award for
2: 2021? (laughs) Uh, uh, Doomsday. Yep. It was... uh, The the book was The Labyrinth. It was, yes. And the author was somebody whose name I've forgotten. Can I have half a point?
0: I'll give you. I'll give you a point for that, but I'll, I'll throw it out to everyone else for it to be interesting. Be, um, but can anyone guess the author's name?
3: Tom Nick. I want to, I want to say. Uh, is it Amanda? There's so many. There are so many labyrinth-based books. I feel <laughs> like this one. Sorry, I, I'm getting confused because there's you know Labyrinth by Kate Moss and other labyrinthy books. Um, but I feel like this is Amanda something beginning with L and I yeah, I'll remember. give that
0: to you. It is Amanda Lowry is the, was the correct answer. Yes. Amanda Lowry was the, uh, was the books and her book, The Labyrinth was the winner of the 2021 Miles Franklin award. Um, we've just crossed the halfway point of book fight currently Nick and Mark are equal on two points. Tom is yet to score. Do not worry guys. There are plenty of points up for grabs. Question five. Currently, our highest-selling ebook online at Booktopia and a top ten ebook seller at Co- on Kobo Australia. What is the number one New York Times bestseller and the most recent pick from Reese's Book Club? <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs>
2: I, I mean, I I I I, uh, I should know that, but I don't. So it's,
0: it's a big seller on both on both Kobo and on Booktopia. This one,
3: uh, Glamour. Mhm. Uh is it the sanatorium?
0: No, it's not the sanatorium. Slightly earlier. That's a, that's from earlier this year, but it's not the most recent mm. the book club. I think we give up. <laughs> we give up? Tom, do you want yeah. to have a guess? Do you have any idea?
1: Uh sorry, Nick, I'm going <laughs> to set this one out. I've I've opened a bottle of wine now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, the answer is Laura Dave. The last thing he told me was the answer. Was the answer I was looking for? Question six: What is the title of the new business book by Holly Ransom that talks about leadership being within everyone's reach? Uh,
2: uh, doomsday. Yep. Uh, the leading edge.
0: The leading edge is the correct answer. Yes, please. Nice. And then we come to our last question. And for this question, I am going to suspend the buzzer. So I want you to shout out the answers as best you can. Um, and the question is, and I hope you were paying attention, by the way, um, and see how many of you were listening at the start of the podcast. For one point each, name as many books as you can that made the 2021 Booker Prize long list. Fire in the Sun. <laughs> Fire in the Sun's one. <laughs> Yes. We
2: have one there. Um, uh, 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 no, nobody's talking about this by Patricia Lockwood.
0: Nobody's talking about this. Yes. That's another one. Yep. The sweetness of water, the sweetness of water. Yes. we got that. The, um,
2: the Richard powers one.
0: I'll, I will give it to you. Richard powers is in there. It is bewilderment this is the one you were looking for. Great circle. Great circle. Yes. is one too.
3: Uh, I think I'm done.
0: think you're done. Anyone else want to have a crack? Mark, do you want to have no, a crack? I'm done. You're done? I think I think, I think Nick definitely
1: won this round. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't yeah. been counting, so I have
0: no idea. You're <laughs> <laughs> okay. such a show-off, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so the answers that we, we got was a passage north, second place. I would have also accepted the promise The sweetness of water clara and the sun an island a town called solace no one is talking about this the fortune men bewilderment china room great circle and light perpetual were all of the answers to the longest question that brings us to the end of book fight for this week i'll have a look at the scores oh my goodness gracious me tom you finished with zero points i'm sorry um mark you finished with a very respectable six Nick, well done with that last question. You finished with eight points. Well done. Thank you, guys.
1: No, Congratulations. Well
0: done, guys.
1: That was fun. I'm
0: sorry, Tom. <laughs> You're so wicked to me, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I threw Next a business question sure. in there. I threw some. Que- I threw a question in there, and then Mark just jumped on it straight away. <laughs> Can't say I didn't yeah, try. He's always-
1: He's always doing that type of stuff.
2: Look, don't worry, Tom. Like you can all, you know that, you know, we might get our quiz points and our quiz victories, but you're going to have financial independence. So <laughs>
3: Yeah, we're not going to have a diverse portfolio. So.
1: <laughs> 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 Nick, uh, uh, Mark, I'm going to add this to the list of horrible things that you've done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no one's recording or anything. No. <laughs> Um, thank you so much, for, um, guys. That will bring us to the end of the weekend, Booktopian, for yet another week. Thank you to all of my guests for joining us and be sure to check out all of the books that we have mentioned today down in the description box. Please download the Booktopia by Rakuten Kobo app to get access to over 5 million ebook titles, including all the releases, latest releases in all genres. Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on again and we'll look forward to hopefully having you on again soon.
3: Thank you very much for having me, guys. Pleasure, as always. Look forward to joining you again soon.
0: Thank you very much, Nick. The Weekend Booktopian was produced by myself, Nick Wasiliev, and you can check out hundreds of episodes on our Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud channels, including our recent interview with Sophie Green, author of Thursdays at Orange Blossom House. Also, be sure to check out Booktopia TV on YouTube, or if you cannot get enough of chained authors, head to the Booktopian blog curated by Olivia Frico, where you can read articles that are pushed every single day, including our review of She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan and our thoughts on the upcoming adaptation of Nine Perfect Strangers. Thanks for listening and never stop reading.